Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you this morning. So glad uh, to have you here. It's always fun uh, to worship during uh, this Christmas season. And we want you to know if you are uh, new here today, we love new people at Hope. Uh, and we pray that you feel loved uh, and welcomed and encouraged. Whatever uh, state of mind that you're in today, know that I'm putting on a happy face this morning on top of my frown. Let me just say this, people, I have never been more proud to be a Hawkeye. I've never been more proud. I've never been more proud. It was a, it was a hard-fought game last night in the Big Ten Championship. This is how stoked I was for it. About 6.45, the game started at 7, about 6.45, I walked into our living room and our six-month-old daughter is laying there just kind of staring up at me, wondering what's the hair on my face, as she normally does. Our son is uh, eating his dinner, and normally around this time of night when we're getting ready for bed, he goes, Daddy, can I watch Thomas? Normally, that's fine. We're not watching Thomas tonight because the Big Ten Championship is on. So I just walked in, and our whole family is sitting there, and I'm like, people, I have an announcement to make. We're not watching Thomas tonight, Okay. This is the biggest game in Iowa football history, and for the next three and a half hours, Daddy gets the remote, all right? Is everybody clear on that? (laughs) I kid you not, Caleb looks up at me and goes, so no Thomas? (laughs) Oh, right? I'm a dream stealer, right? No, but it it was a great game. Life moves on, and it's good to know that life is bigger than football, amen? There's lots of things that are way more important uh, than football. Yeah, absolutely. And so here's the thing. Uh, We're in the season of Advent, and a lot of times we get in this mode of Thanksgiving, and you kind of get through that season, and it's like, oh, man, that next weekend is Advent. Last Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent. This is the second Sunday of Advent, these weeks leading up to the Christmas season. And we have this beautiful Advent wreath up here. Obviously, the middle candle's not lit because that's the Christ candle. Some of you that are maybe from a a church background or have grown up in more of a traditional setting, uh, know that the Advent wreath, believe it or not, was kind of started in the Lutheran tradition. Martin Luther kind of coined that, and other denominations and church backgrounds have picked that up. But maybe you do this as a church family, but there's two candles that are lit uh, today, and so for the second Sunday of Advent, and we'll do that these next few weeks as a way to remember and to slow down, which is the idea of Advent in these four weeks leading up to the Christmas season. And then on Christmas Eve, or Christmas Day, but for us, the Christmas Eve services will light that middle candle, the white candle, which is the Christ candle. This season of waiting. And if you didn't grow up in the church, you're wondering, Advent, what is this all about? There's just as there's seasons of the year and different holidays and events, there are church year seasons, and we are in one of those called Advent. No, it's not Lent. That's in the spring. Lent is more of a spring cleaning. Advent is more of a cuddle up around the fire with your uh, close family and friends And slow down. And slow down, which is a difficult thing to do this time of year. Well, any time of year, Advent is a time of waiting. Now, let me just ask you this. When is the last time that you heard anybody say, oh, I just love waiting? (laughs) Right? I probably never heard anybody say that. Probably never. In our world, waiting is almost something to be avoided at all costs. Okay, let's just be honest for a second. When you are at the grocery store and you have your, your, thing, your uh, cart full of groceries and you're going up and you're looking at all the checkout lines, how many of you purposely look for the one that's the shortest, right? Everybody get your hand up. You don't, don't lie in church, okay? This is church, people, right? 
How many of you, when you're sitting at a stoplight and there's a car in front of you and the light turns green and you're just like pedal to the metal, ready to go, and they're on their cell phone? How many of you are just like, go, come on, right? And it's like, what, two and a half seconds of your life that just expired, right? Oh, waiting is so hard, right? Whatever it is, we don't like to wait. Anyone love um, when that little circle spins on your computer, right? And it just seems like an eternity and you're like, oh, I don't have high-speed Wi-Fi. My life is over, right? We have a really hard time waiting. I have a Mac on the Mac. I call it the beach ball of chaos. It just spins, just spins, and I feel like I'm wasting my life away. Not only that, but the fact is, you and I live in a culture of immediacy. Our world is built to get us what we want when we want it. We have email on our cell phones. We have music and movies on demand. We have high-speed internet. We have fast food. The list goes on and on and on. And we are marketed to that way of get, we'll, we'll get it to you as fast as we can because if it's not fast, it's bad. And then along comes Advent, an invitation to wait, to wait. Advent actually comes from the Latin adventus. Everybody say adventus. adventus. And it means coming or expectation, which is why Advent is all about waiting. It's important to remember that years before Jesus came, waiting for the coming of Christ was a lot longer than four weeks and lighting four candles. It was literally centuries of longing, of patience, and of prayer by God's people. The Old Testament, which is, if you have your Bible in front of you this morning, we encourage you to to grab that. Three-fourths of that Bible is about waiting. Do you know that? We wouldn't really have an Old Testament unless God's people would have waited. It's about God's people waiting. Over 400 scriptures and prophecies speak to the arrival of a Messiah who would be born, but that was spanned out over centuries, which is why followers of Jesus instituted this season of the church, which is Advent, and it calls us to slow down, to stop, and to learn to wait. And I've always wondered that, like, why? Why, why did God do it that way, and, and why did Jesus not come sooner, and why do we celebrate this season as a church here where we slow down and wait? Because I wonder if after witnessing Jesus actually arriving and, and fulfilling all of their hopes, they didn't want us to forget that when you wait for something, it makes you appreciate the gravity of its fulfillment even more. If everything just happened like that, I don't know if we would appreciate it as much. I mean, think about you as a young child waiting to open those gifts on Christmas. Did anybody else just like sit by the tree and like shake them and just stare? Maybe you have some kids that are doing that. You can't wait. It's that process. Many of you know what the process of experiencing nine months of waiting to greet a child that you're bringing into this world. God created it that way. There's a process of learning to wait. This was one of the best, regardless of what the outcome of the game was last night, this was one of the best weeks of my life because I had this thing that I was waiting for, that I was longing for, that I was waiting in expectation. I couldn't wait for Saturday night at 717 when that game kicked off. Something happens in us when we wait, and I wonder if instant gratification isn't what we were ultimately created for. 
which is the exact opposite of the culture that we live in, which makes Advent, I believe, even more relevant than ever. Because in our noisy, busy, frenzied culture, waiting creates, here's what waiting does. Waiting creates time and space for us to listen and to most importantly be attentive and alert to the voice of God. You ever notice when you're in a hurry, you have a hard time noticing details? Slowing down allows us to listen and hear the voice of God, to be alert, which is exactly what our scripture that you heard read for us is about this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 13. We're going to be bouncing around all over the place, so you're going to want your Bible out on your lap today to keep, uh, to keep up with where we're going. Mark chapter 13 is where we're at, and, and this scripture is not your typical Christmas scripture, but we're going to see it fits very well with this theme of Advent. Mark chapter 13. We're actually going to read verse 32 up here together on the screen, and then we'll put it in context. So let's read this together. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. Now, when you heard this read, some of you probably thought, what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? Isn't this a passage about the end times? Isn't this a passage about when Jesus is coming back again someday? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Jesus is telling his disciples, first of all, if you ever hear anyone or see on a billboard that says, call this number and you'll know when when Jesus is coming back, drive away and don't even look at it anymore. There's a lot of people for thousands of years that have claimed that and the reason that we know they're probably not true is because Jesus is saying he doesn't even know. Only God the Father knows. So live in such a way that you're ready. Our job is not to sit around and speculate and align the stars and figure out when Jesus is coming back. Our job is to be ready. Is to live in such a way that I'm not living in fear, that I have this peace in my soul that I know I'm ready. And whenever Jesus comes back, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. So make sure that you're connected in a relationship with me, Jesus says, through faith, but also live in expectation. Stay alert so you don't miss it. Stay alert, which makes this a perfect passage for Advent. That maybe the same, does anybody, does anybody long for heaven? Do you ever just have those days where you're like, okay, Jesus, it could be any time now. Life is just hard. Sometimes, like I just can't wait for that day. I can't wait for evil to be done with. Especially in the last couple weeks, the past year that we've had, like you ever just ready for Satan to be done? And just for the light to overcome the darkness once and for all, like we long for that. That's what Advent is about. That same longing that you and I have to meet Jesus and to be with him and for the light to shine in the darkness, that's what Advent is about. That longing, that waiting, that expectation for Christmas, for Jesus to come. Because it's a big deal. So don't be so distracted in this life that you miss the most important things that are all around you. I saw this video this past week uh, online, and I'm sure some of you have seen it before, but I just looked at it, and I was thinking about Advent and being alert and, and, and keeping watch, what our scripture says today, and, and I just thought, well, this is the perfect video for Advent. So if you go to a sporting event up on the big screen, they do these kiss cams. We're not going to do that today, by the way. So some of you are like, who did I sit by today? Um, 
We're not going to do that today. Uh, it's, a, it's a Bulls, Chicago Bulls basketball game, and they're playing the Boston Celtics, and they pan around, and they find people that are hopefully couples uh, sitting next to each other, and then you kiss, right? So poly- po- apologize for all the kissy, smoochy stuff here, but you'll see the point. Watch when they zoom in on uh, the couple on the jumbo screen. Keep your eye on the gentleman in the Celtics sweatshirt that's not paying any attention whatsoever. Let's take a look. And that's what happens when you don't pay attention. You get your girl taken away by a mascot. And I I cannot help but think in watching that, that's Advent. Pay attention. There's... Right next to you is the most important thing in your life. Be on guard. Be alert. Watch. Because you never know when the bull is going to come and steal your girl. No, you never know when Jesus is coming back. And you never know. You never know the day or the hour. Let's have that same expectation and waiting for Christmas. If we don't pay attention, if you don't slow down, I'm not just talking about getting off of your cell phone. What does that represent for you? Because for some of you, like we laugh and we giggle, some of you, you're the Celtics guy these days. And whatever that thing is for you, and you're going, and God's saying, hey, 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 Christmas is coming, are you ready? And you're saying, I've got way more important things to do, Jesus. I'm really busy. Got to fill up the social calendar. Got to get all, everything on my list done. I got to get ready for the parties. The family's coming. Got to get the house ready. You never know. Be on guard. Be alert. Be ready. We'll miss the most important thing, a Savior that has invaded our world and has something brand new that he wants to show us this year. So the question is, how do we not be that guy during Advent. How do we not miss Advent? What does it look like to learn to wait? And most importantly, how do you truly get ready for Christmas? In the next couple weeks, somebody, lots of people are probably going to ask you, are you ready for Christmas? And by the end of today, I want you to say, yes, absolutely. And it has nothing to do with how many lines are crossed off on my to-do list. Did you hear what we sang this morning? Let every heart Prepare him room. Is your heart ready for Christmas? And so I want to offer you a few big ideas, four big ideas today of what it looks like to be ready for Christmas and to not miss Advent. So what I want you to do is go from Mark, I want you to go to Luke. We're getting a a jet tour of the Gospels today. Luke chapter 12. We're going to come at this from a different angle. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 29 to 30 to start. So the Gospels go Matthew, Mark, Luke. So if you were in Mark, just flip a few pages and you'll be in Luke. Luke chapter 12. So Jesus comes to his followers as he comes to us today. And you've probably heard this before, but I think it makes sense this time of year. Verse 29. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows what you Need And you've probably heard this before. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Above all else, seek him first. Now, I was reading through this passage this week, and I was drawn to 
the message version, which I'm going to throw up here on the screen, which is going to be a little different than what you have in front of you, but that's okay. So listen to Jesus' heart for you. This is just a little different take on what I just read about don't worry, put Jesus first, okay? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Just breathe that in for a second. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over such things, but you know both God and how he works. Jesus says, step one in being ready for Christmas. (laughs) Stop the fuss. Everybody say, stop the fuss. Turn to your neighbor, elbow him, and say, stop the fuss. Stop the fuss. You've got to stop being in such an awful hurry all the time. I consulted with Mr. Webster and found this in his definition this week. Fussing, an excessive display of anxious attention or activity, needless or useless bustle. Does that remind you of anybody that you know in your life? I can't think of a better word that describes a lot of people that I see this time of year. And interestingly, it's the exact opposite of what the heart of Advent is. Now, if you ventured out shopping last weekend, you know exactly what fussing about uh, looks like in a very real way. I've got absolutely nothing against shopping. I want to tell you that right now. I have nothing against shopping. I've got nothing against those poor souls who choose to get up at the crack of dawn or not even go to bed at all to waste away one of the few chances you have to sleep in, to simply join thousands of your fellow kind-hearted, loving neighbors throwing elbows with Christian love and shoving your competitors to the floor with Christmas cheer only to secure the deal of the century waffle makers for $2.99 or skinny jeans for the whole family. I mean, you gotta get there. This is a matter of life and death. Talk about fussing. I was talking to a friend this week who actually went out at midnight, uh, and he went to Walmart, and he saw this guy. They they have you stand in the aisles around the the packages, and they're saran-wrapped, and he wanted a 32-inch TV, and he literally saw a guy, like, hanging on the the, the whole display that was saran-wrapped, hugging the TVs for, like, a half an hour just because he didn't want anybody else to get them. And I'm wondering, wow. Like, it's come to that. I have nothing against shopping and doorbusters and great deals, and I'm not here to steal your joy or to condemn you if you did that. It's not about guilt, Jesus says. It's about realignment. You're going to miss Christmas if you're fussing about. Jesus says, I want you to slow down so you don't miss the point. And no one knows that better than two sisters, Mary and Mary. And Martha, it's very interesting that we're in Luke 12 and Jesus says, stop fussing about, and a couple chapters earlier, we get a picture of what fussing is. You can turn there if you want, Luke chapter 10, it's just a couple pages back from where you are. Jesus stays with his friends Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who did what? Who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Boy, this doesn't have anything to do with Advent, does it? She came to him and asked, Lord, 
Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Ever been there? No, Jesus, you just don't understand how long my list is. You don't understand. It's just a busy time of year, and all the relatives are going to be here, even the ones I don't like too much, that they're all going to be here, and how am I ever going to get it all done? And then watch what happens, verse 41. Martha, Martha. Sometimes I like to insert my name in the scripture. It's just say your name. Put your name in there. Jonathan, Jonathan. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You are fussing about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chose what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want you to think about this for a second. Isn't it strange how the baby, whose birthday that we spend months planning and cleaning and baking and organizing and are making our list to prepare for is the one who says to Martha, few things are needed, indeed only one. It couldn't be more opposite. I've heard so many people say, well, you know, it's just a crazy time of year. Everybody's busy this time. You can't get anything done in December. Everybody's so busy. Why? And it's almost like we just accept that, especially as families with our kids, and we just pass it right down to our kids. What do mommy and daddy do during December? They fuss about. Why are we fussing? Oh, nobody really knows. It's just December. It's what we do. Why? Let the Bible challenge you a little bit. If you don't read the Bible and feel very, very challenged and convicted from time to time, you might be reading it wrong. Jesus isn't here to stroke your ego or to tell you to follow in with what everybody else is doing. Sometimes when we hold up our lives to what God's word says, they should clash. And we ask, who gets to call the shots in our lives? Why does December have to be so busy? What if you showed your kids what it looks like to do less rather than to do more? What if you were an example to your coworkers of, oh, don't you have a lot of things to go to? No, actually, we cut, purposely cut things out of our schedule during December. So we can gather as a family around an Advent wreath, which signifies the everlasting love of Jesus that will never give up on you. And very slowly and very deliberately, we light a candle each week as a family, and then we have a devotion and we wait, and we look at those candles, and we wait, and we long for that center candle to be lit. But you don't have time to do that if you're fussing about. Don't miss the most important thing. So how do you actually do that? I want to give you three big ideas as we close today. Three big ideas. Back to Luke chapter 12. This is the message version, verse 29. This is what it says. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over such things, but you know both God and how he works. So what do we do? Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't you love that? That's a recipe for success for Advent right there. 
Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. First of all, we steep ourselves in God reality. Everybody say reality. In kingdom reality, which as opposed to straining ourselves to get all that we done can, instead it's turning to a kingdom that's already ours. Verse 32 in Luke 12. Don't be afraid of missing out. Jesus says, you are my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. In other words, when your Father, our Heavenly Father, is the King, that makes us heirs, sons and daughters, meaning all the love and all the affection and all the provision that the King has is ours. And so much of the season is about what we don't have yet. If you are not content with what you have right now, you are never going to be content. You do know that. So much of this season is about what we don't have yet or what we think that we need. But when we're steeping ourselves in God reality and our Father is the King, do you know what? We're the richest people in the world. And it has nothing to do with the size of your house, your car, or your checkbook. We are the richest people in the world. We have everlasting love, grace, forgiveness. We have eternity secured for us in heaven. Nothing could be more important. And that's not cheesy and that's not cliche. I was talking to some friends this week about getting older because we're in our 30s, you know, we're getting so old. We just feel older with kids. But Christmas used to be different. It used to be about getting, 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 getting. And we were just talking. Doesn't it seem like the older you get, And maybe, coincidentally, the longer you walk with Jesus, your appetite for more stuff just kind of goes away. Does that make sense? Does anybody else feel that? I was just talking to my brother this week, like, do we have to get each other gifts this year? Like, it's not about that I don't want to give gifts. It's more coming from a heart of, my heart is full. My heart is full because I have people in my life that love me, I have a God that loves me, and I'm a part of a community here. I don't really need anything. Maybe it's just me. I, I don't know, but I just feel like, man, Christmas is about so much more than what can I get. I think it's about what I can give. That's why we're doing these Advent projects. Like, let's just make all of those tags disappear. There are people that have so much less than we do. You don't need more Stuff. We are the richest people in the world. And if we worship a God, a king, who is the richest, most generous, kindest being in the universe, how can we help not but be generous ourselves? And that's the next part. This God initiative. Verse 32 says, steep yourself in God initiative. Everybody say initiative. Initiative. Meaning instead of what's on our hearts, it's what's on God's heart. We can start to ask, God, what's your agenda? How can I be a part of your mission? So instead of spending Advent asking what's in it for me, we ask, God, how do you want to move through me? How do you want to use me? And that's the question that we asked a couple weeks ago for a lot of you that were here when we did our recommitment Sunday for our giving campaign called Building Hope Together, which supports this facility. And it's very clear that you caught a vision of God's heart for people in this city and what God is doing through this church to reach the people of this city. I am, we did this one week, and I am super, super pumped to announce that in addition to the existing gifts and pledges that were already given, in that one week, 
you gave over $55,000 more to this campaign. Praise God for that. Absolutely. Praise God. So we're, we're up to around $600,000 that has been given or pledged, and we're just starting to head into the third year of that campaign. You are incredibly faithful, generous church. And so I, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir, but I got really excited about that, but not nearly as excited about what you wrote on some of the cards. Because we're not all able to give financially, and I get that. And so we said, what are your time and your talents? And I just want to read a few of these for you. You took the time to really pray about this and write. And one person wrote, I can't contribute financially. <laughs> I love this. But I have a wealth of wisdom of what not to do. And so I can tell others that Jesus is the only way. Some of you can maybe identify with that. Somebody else wrote, I've seen... Um, oh, sorry, I missed one. This one says, God is calling me to give my presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. My presence. I get to be here every week. I get to be, I get to come to worship every week, and I wouldn't miss it for anything, they said. Like, it is a gift to be able to come and simply be here. Is it a gift for you, or is it a duty? And lastly, somebody wrote on their card, I have seen God change lives in front of my eyes, and so whatever is needed, count me in. You get it. <laughs> you get it because you are an incredible church, and with that mindset, you're not going to miss the point of Christmas. It's not about budgets, and it's not about buildings. It's about people experiencing the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, which we're just getting started. You heard about this Advent project, an opportunity to adopt a family. You heard about the project we're building concrete floors in Haiti for kids that are sleeping in bacteria and disease-infested huts. Grab a tag. Drop some money in that offering for Haiti. This is what it means to steep ourselves in God initiative. Steep yourself in God reality and God initiative this Advent. And last but not least, Steep yourself in God provision. Everybody say provision. This is so important this Advent season. Chances are, this Christmas season, you are waiting for something. And I'm not talking about opening Christmas gifts around the tree or waiting at a stoplight. We're all waiting for something. For healing. Maybe you're waiting for a job. Maybe you're waiting for that next paycheck to come because you really need it. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough in your marriage, for fresh passion again for Jesus. And Luke 12, I love what Luke 12, Jesus says, that doesn't just remind us that God is a king, it reminds us that God is our Father, who longs to give us what we need. Verse 32, Jesus says, you are my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. I'm not sure what comes to your mind when I say that God is your father. I'm not sure what comes to mind when I say the word father. But I have to tell you that becoming one myself has dramatically changed how I see verses like this. It's not some abstract thing of like, oh yeah, that's great, God's our father. 
when you become a father, you get a whole new perspective. I don't want you to get me wrong. I love our son. He's two and a half. His name's Caleb. I love him so much. Several months ago, we had a daughter. Dun, dun, dun. And everything changed for me. I'm like, how am I going to be able to love her as much as I love him? Well, that about says it all right there. We're going to keep her. And like with Caleb, like I wrestle him and I poke him and I tickle him and we wrestle and we roughhouse and everything like that. But from the moment that I met this girl, I'm just like, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for her. Just kind of snapped into like protective dad mode. And it's like she'll be on the, on the floor on her mat like this, just talking or giggling or rolling over. And I think she's in trouble. And I didn't do this with Caleb. This is different. I just catch myself doing this. I would just like pop up from the couch and I would run over and like, oh, honey, are you okay? Is everything? And Tiffany's like, whoa, she's a baby. Let her roll around and squawk a little bit. I didn't do this with Caleb. Caleb was like, figure it out, dude. You know, like with her, no, not really. (laughs) But with her, it's just like my heart of a father just is like, I'm going to provide anything you need. What do you need? Where does that come from? And I, I know that for some of you, that's the image of a father that you have a really hard time putting on God. Because it's really easy when he doesn't come through for you to get frustrated and angry and maybe even bitter. And maybe some of you are still waiting and you're bitter and you're angry at God today. And that's why we need Advent. Because it teaches us to wait without giving up hope. And it's no coincidence today that this second candle that we light on the Advent wreath is the candle of hope. Of hope. And when scripture talks about the word hope, the word in the Greek that's used most often for it is elpis. Everybody say elpis. Elpis. And what does the Elpis mean? A sense of confident expectation based on certainty. So often we say, oh, what I'm hoping for, or I place my hope in Jesus, and it kind of just seems like this wishy-washy kind of pie-in-the-sky sort of, oh, you know, he'll come through, I hope. Shoot some prayers up. Hope they get answered. That's not hope. Elpis means certainty. I am expecting this based on certainty. Certainty of what? That God always comes through. That he's that father that if you need anything, you just ask him and he'll get up and he'll come running to you. And he would do anything. Maybe not always in the way that you expect. But he's always there. And 2,000 years ago, he answered that question once and for all. Does God really care? Is God really going to provide for you? He sent himself to live and to die. What more could we ask for? He gave us everything. He gave us everything, the greatest gift of all eternal life, and that's why we can live every single day with hope, whether we're waiting for the second coming of Christ or whether we're waiting for the baby to come on Christmas. Hope will not disappoint because he's already come through with what we need the most Take away everything else that's going to be under the Christmas tree this year. 
we get Jesus. We get Jesus. And nothing could be more important. And just when you think he's not going to show up, just when you think he's not going to provide, the Father always comes through. Take a look at this final clip. When you're a dad, battery commercials make you cry. Because real men cry, amen? When you have a little girl, battery commercials make you cry. After centuries of feeling like God was distant and was just a voice, he showed up. Don't miss Advent. Don't miss Christmas. Don't miss the point. How can you make sure that you're ready for Christmas? Steep yourself in God reality, in God initiative. Serve. Serve during December. Slow down and serve. And steep yourself in God provision of a Father that always, always, always comes through because he loves you that much. Amen? Let's stand as we prepare our hearts for communion. As if there was any doubt, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was with his followers. And he took the bread. And he broke it and he gave it to them saying, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. This is, this is it. This is how far I'm willing to go to give you everything. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, and when, he'd give it, when he had blessed it, he gave it to them, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood. This is my promise to you that I will wash you clean and forgive all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As we are thinking about God as our Father, slow down and think about the words that we say as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated, and I'll invite our communion assistants forward at this time. I want you to know that communion here at Hope is open to everybody that desires to experience the love and grace of Jesus in their life. And so as the ushers lead you forward, we ask that you would come to one of the stations up here that you would receive the wafer as a gift, that you would receive it in your hand and then take the wafer and dip it in either the first cup, the darker color, which is the wine, or the second cup, the lighter color, which is uh, the uh, grape juice. And there's also allergy-free, gluten-free elements available. Just ask your server as well and we can get that for you. Everyone is welcome. Let's start Advent off right Come and receive his grace. May that be the deepest and truest thing about you today.
that as you have received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, may you know today that your sins are forgiven, that you have been set free to worship him and to live for him and to know in the deepest parts of who you are that you are a child of God and you have nothing to fear, that you can relax, steep yourself in God this Advent season. Just breathe in everything that he has for you and experience his love the love of that baby who came for you and for me in an entirely new way and share that love with the world around you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go grab a tag on the tree. Let's serve. Have a great Advent. We'll see you next week.